You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. to the ggtmc this is the second part of the next episode of the uh kind of two episodes we're doing this week with our sponsors this sponsored by first episode sponsored by raro usa this one sponsored by vinegar syndrome and uh this time around we're going to be doing a little film from 1982 called madman directed by joe giannoni which i believe is how you say his name I hope I'm right. Yeah, yeah, Joe's no longer with us, but uh, you know, just want to be, you know, want to get the name as right as possible. Um, this is a 1982. It's an old school slasher film here, so uh, we'll get into this because uh, Will, I don't think had ever seen this. George, had you seen this? Uh, I, I saw this um, at a screening actually, maybe a year ago. Oh wow! Uh, a buddy of mine does a uh, repertory stuff here under um, Arkham Film. Um, society and the uh screened what i think was a cut version of this um so watching this again i think i watched it on amazon prime and um their print i think is uncut um oh. or at least you know less cut than the version i saw yeah is that josh your friend is that josh yes oh okay yeah i know I'm, i don't know him but i know of him yeah, yeah. good guy yeah seems to really love movies i can tell you that Big time. Uh, the uh, okay. Let me uh, synopsize this thing and we'll get into it here. Um, at a summer camp for use, a cocky preteen calls out the name of a mass serial killer, Madman Mars. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mars, Madman <laughs> Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, counselors are being maimed and slaughtered in various ways. Um. I'm really interested to hear what Will thinks of this one because he had never yeah, seen it. Um, this was definitely done on the cheap. So let's uh, let's let's see what you got. What you got, Will? What you got? Cool. Okay. So my only real experience with this film was I said to you, Sammy, the seeing the VHS box art as a kid, and I used to always mix it up with the Slaughterhouse one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think there were similar covers. This one's a little more minimal. Uh, as we'd said, this week's episode is brought to you by Vinegar Syndrome, and I got to give it up to them. Um, the film aside, for just a moment, this is a really—they've done a really, really good job with this film. Yeah, uh, it's a two-disc set. You know, mm-hmm. we get the Blu-ray and the DVD, which was handy because I was able to watch the film on blue, which looks excellent. Yeah. And I watched the special features uh, on the standard disc, which I took elsewhere with me. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, I want to give it up to them because really, really impressive uh, for kind of a low budget slasher. I think it's only like the Blu-rays, the transfer has been limited only by the source material, not by the effort that they put in. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, who, I can't remember who released the uh, Madman on DVD originally. I can't remember what company did. But Code they, Red. I was going to say Code yeah, Red. I think it may have been. It may have been. Yeah. But uh, they carried yeah. over some of the features onto this, but uh, they added a few. Th- they added quite a bit too. This is. A, I mean, yeah. this is a great deal for. 
mean, you can get this thing for like 14 bucks. And then it's a really good deal. You get an introduction with producer Gary Sales. There's a couple different commentary tracks. You get a 20 minute uh, documentary, a 14 minute retrospective on the early career of sales, an hour and a half documentary. The legend still lives. You get an artwork in Stills Gallery, music inspired by Madman, uh, in memoriam. Uh, discusses the work of Giorginoni and and Tony Fish. Uh, an interview with Gary Sales, interview with Paul Ellers, the titular Madman. Yeah. TV spots and a theatrical trailer. I mean, you get a lot of bang for your buck, man. Yeah. So I want to give it up to Vincent because some of their stuff is a little more bare bones, like some of the sexploitation and stuff they do, but they really swung for the fences and, and connected with uh, with this one. Josh Donaldson style, man, to use a Blue Jay. Uh, yeah, there you go. Blue Jay nod. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you know, watching this film, I feel like uh, the era sort of, we talk about this sometimes, sort of, you know, Friday 13th Part 1 was what, 79? 80, uh, 80. 80, I think. Yeah, 80. So we're really in the beginning of the slasher mold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's sort of a naivety and an innocence, yep. despite sort of, you know, the potheads and the the flesh and everything else. It just feels very naive and innocent in some ways. Yeah, the Cropsey tale, right? So yeah. That's right. This was originally going to be more tied in with the Cropsey mythology, which is kind of ironic because in some ways, you know, like this – not their approach is a little different than the burning, and I do think you know to be fair, the burning is a better slasher. It's a little more energetic and, and varied in terms of well, what it does. Yeah, it's better directed, no doubt about that. It's definitely better directed, but I feel like both films feel very much like East Coast kind of upstate New York shot mm-hmm. uh, casting crew. You know, they both kind of feel the same. An interesting piece of trivia: uh, Ayler, who plays Madman Mars, who. We should say now we know where our good friend of the show, Mike Mars, got his name. Yeah. Um, he started out the film as the poster illustrator. Yeah. And what had happened was uh, they ended up using the poster art you see now. But if you reverse the cover and the title sequence, that's his poster. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And now that dude makes uh, specialty knives and exotic weapons. So Yeah. He's a former martial artist as well. Yeah, he sure is. Um, but yeah, I love the cover, like I said. Um, the film opens up. It's going to get that campfire tale vibe. And that was something that was pretty prevalent at the time. You know, the fog has, you know, fog has my favorite one. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I thought about this to myself. This is, a, you know, a special retreat for gifted children. I thought to myself, um, nowadays, if an old man tells a scary tale, he'd probably get litigation. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you, you can't scare kids yeah. nowadays. You know, you can, we, we're so protective of children nowadays, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Look, you know, we're protective of them for a reason, but you know, we've uh, you know we've kind of gotten away a little bit from the the legends and the myths and all these things. We have, that, uh, you know, oh. that, that I grew up with anyway, and I'm certain all three of us grew up with, yeah, you know. big time. And I feel like too, just even campfire tales as a cinematic kind of tool, we've gotten away from those. Yeah. As we get further into the world of technology and everything else, you know, the campfire tale is something we don't see as much in films. I really think the uh, the actor that plays uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the tale teller. The tale teller, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. What was his name? I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. That guy. Yeah. He was friends with like Samuel Beckett and stuff. Like, uh, Oh, wow. He's got a very theatrical delivery. Yeah. That, that delivery, man. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I, I I couldn't get over it. Yeah, yeah. Even, no, even when he true. says, "Oh yeah," and that beer you have in the fridge. Oh yeah. Save one for me. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. He's very much like a train, like a theater trained actor. Yeah, very. He's you know. projecting for sure. Yep. He totally is. He reminded me of um, William Sanderson. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but uh, he's and he's working that. Uh, that that plaid shirt turtleneck tandem. Yeah, man. Not everybody can work that. I mean, that's that's a craft in itself, right? It is. Well, see, it was out of necessity because they shot this thing in the winter, so everyone was kind of bundled up. And I got to give it up. I want to mention this. It seems like minutia, but they had people that had to kind of clear out the snow and hand paint the fucking leaves. <laughs> no. 
it's some of the stuff that people used to do for films in the uh, low budget days is pretty insane. It is. It, it's a, and it's a labor of love, right? Mm-hmm. You know. And speaking of labor of love and passion, man, that that song that uh, I think it's Tony Fish, yeah, sings, man. I mean, that's you know, he's in it to win it. Yeah, he really is. Tony Fish is 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 kind of great in this film. He he is. He uh he really kind of stands out in a lot of ways. Now Galen Ross, she was the female lead. Uh, yep. She is one of the few actresses who has an almost near perfect filmography in a lot of ways. She did only did three films. She did Dawn of the Dead. She mm-hmm. did this, and she did uh well, I mean near perfect for me anyway. And uh, she did uh, she was in a segment of Creep Show, uh, something to tide you over. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, she had darker hair in that one. I think. Yeah, so she she was yeah. three for three. She directs films nowadays. She does yeah. documentaries and stuff. And I've never seen any of them, but I'd like to see some of them. Um, yeah. yeah, she kind of got out of the acting part of the business from Indianapolis, Indiana. So wow, I'm surprised the horror hound hasn't tried to get her. Maybe they have. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I think she's um, been at a few of the kind of like uh, Dawn of the Dead reunions at some of mm-hmm. uh, the conventions. I don't know about the. Horham went up that way, but uh, I know I've seen her. At, uh, I haven't seen her, but I know she's been to a few of those. Uh, every now and then they'll do a you know cast reunion, and I think she's been at one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she's she's fine. I I think her. I think the angle of gifted children. I think Tony Fish. The one thing I'll critique is I think a lot of the things that this film's a fun watch, but it's a bit kind of anonymous and by the numbers. And I think if you had had a director with a little more experience. Fish could have been utilized better. Ross could have been utilized better. The angle of the gifted children could have been utilized better for more peril on screen. You know, because you sometimes get killers like Jason where he doesn't kill kids, right? So he's after the teenagers. Whereas we established early on with the mythology of Mars that he'll kill kids or adults. Yeah, you don't care. To have a camp full of kids Sorry, was, and not have... I had, what's that? I was playing a little bit of the Madman Mars theme. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. <laughs> to have a, a camp full of kids and not even have them get stalked yeah. by the killer seems like a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, it was, a, it was a weird idea. It was a weird idea, I admit. There's a, Most of the kids spend the time in the cabin just looking out the windows. Why not just – why even have the kids? Why not – if you're not going to use them, just have it as a camp for teenage – like, you know, like a, they're a camping trip. Yeah. Seems very strange to me, but, you, you know, go. whatever. And the weird thing, too, missed opportunity. Tony Fish – there we go. Man, man, <laughs> yeah. Some jam there, man. I <laughs> uh, love it. Carl Fredericks was the name of that guy that was uh, the storyteller. Carl oh, yes, Carl Frederick. Tony Fish. Bizarre choice here. We have two of the leads in the film. One's named Fish, one's named Bass. Yeah. So, and then there was a, and I hate to be juvenile, but someone that was involved with the crew, their last name was Horlick. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, Tony know. Fish, I'll tell you what, if I was Italian, and my real name was Nunziata, <laughs> I wouldn't go by the name Tony Fish. Fish <laughs> is just a, respectfully to any listeners that have last name Fish, I wouldn't elect to have the last name Fish. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a nickname or. From what I understand, the documentary he actually worked in the fish business. Yeah, but even still, man, go with like uh, yeah, Tony uh, Pike or yeah. Tony Trout, yeah. Tony Trout, Tony Trout. There, yeah. get some alliteration there, buddy. T- Tony Carp, Tony Carp. <laughs> you could go. There's so like Tito Carpi. <laughs> there's so many ways. So many Tony ways. Tony Red Snapper. Yeah, yeah, you could. You could go with Tony. Ooh, Tony Ruffy if he worked in gay porn. Tony. Oh. <laughs> Tony Puffish Puffer Tony, Tony Puffer go with, There's so many You could go with Tony Pick um, Maybe not Tony Mackerel How about Yeah well Tony you could read Mac- <laughs> Tony Mackerel's pretty great uh, I'd go Tony Mackerel <laughs> I'd go Do you stay Italian Let's go Tony Anchovy Tony you Anchovy could. You totally could There's ways But just fish uh, Just because I think A fish is being cold And wet and stinky And I don't want to be known as any of those things. Well, I mean, I I, I get what you're saying. Of course, you know, I, I think of those things too. But, but I'm, also, I'm a vain person. Yeah, so. I, I think of Tony Fish also as well. You know, maybe, maybe he smelled like fish, but also maybe maybe he tasted good like fish. Maybe Galen well, Ross, yeah. you know, he, he does spend a lot of time in the hot tub in this film. He does, <laughs> which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, but you know what else I think borrows from this film, even though it rejigs for its own mythology, is Hatchet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like hatch it with the, you know the look of madman and stuff and yeah if you've seen any cropsy like film uh there's nothing and if you haven't seen this there's nothing i don't think new in this that you're gonna get no there's nothing new except for the fact that the killer is an overall wearing barefoot kind of upper east side uh, redneck of some sort <laughs> and how about he's barefoot he wears these fucking things on his feet he almost falls out of a tree i heard because <laughs> yeah. the things he wore on his feet were slick yeah yeah that, that image of him in the tree is pretty great it is um that richie about, man that richie he's really that was the guy i was impersonating with the madman mars thing man put that rock down richie come on man well yeah richie another italian you know that's always when you get the upstate new york this is shot in strong island so anytime you get upstate new york shot horror films there's always going to be a few italians in it which is great um how about uh, and i think it was no it wasn't richie but uh, how about oats sitting uh, by the campfire in a shearling vest <laughs> yeah. i gotta tell you guys very quickly not to digress too much but we were at our like uh, theme park here canada's wonderland a few days ago, and in the lineups, they have these TVs. Not to digress, but I mentioned Oats, so I have to mention this because Oats is tied in with the GGTMC. Um, we're in line, and they have these TV like things that play music videos to kind of pass the time when you're waiting in line for 45 minutes for a, a two minute ride. And uh, Private Eyes comes on. Nice. So I'm there with my kids, and I say, Hey, guys, look, there's that's one of Daddy's favorite songs, Daddy's favorite groups, Hall and Oats. Right, and they're watching the video. I'm William, my six-year-old. He looks at me and he goes, "Daddy, he was who's who's that Mexican man playing the guitar?" And I said, "Son, that's Oates, and he's not Mexican." But uh, what? Why did you think that? He said, "Oh, he's got a good mustache." Yeah, well, yeah, nice. So, yeah, that, that was kind of amazing. He was, you know, he he you know he recognized Oates' uh, mustache game as being strong. Yeah, it is strong. So. Um, but anyway, uh, now Richie really fucking now he's really done it, man. He threw that rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to know. He's got to know better, man. Like Richie, what are you doing? Yeah, big time. <laughs> um, one of the things, one of the one of the smart things uh, Gino does to give us a little blood early on in the film while he's still setting up his characters that that is kind of a wise thing is he gives us the flashback, which gives us killing without having to build characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. I think the film has pretty good gore, you know, considering its its budget limitations. Yeah, yeah, the makeup's pretty good too. I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, it's I mean, not great, but yeah. it's it's serviceable. I've seen a lot worse. I mean, it's super low budget and you know very quaint in a way. It's very strange and uh, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really not really heavy on the gore. I think it's just enough. A lot of a lot of uh, point of view act shots. Not point of view so much, but maybe third-person axe shot. A lot of axes coming toward the camera. There is a lot of that stuff. A couple of great moments of flashlight stuff, though. There is a really great moment with the yes. flashlight where they go across uh, the Madman Mars in the in the trees. Not in the trees, mm -hmm. in, in the in the bushes, and you see his face yeah, yeah. briefly, which is a pretty nice touch. And, of course, I love the kind of sword-in-the-stone axe. In the <laughs> Man, I know. I love that. <laughs> that's a great set. That. That's a classic tale setup. Like, they set up that two men can't get it out, but Mars, he can just go... <laughs> Well, that was my next note. Axe stuck payoff. You just know it. Yeah. I love, um, I love the Madman Mars, uh, yeah, the vocal. Of, of inflation. Yeah, he vocal inflection. Yeah, he really, he really sells it, doesn't he? Man, and dude's going to blow out his coal and he keeps straining like that. He was really pushing. Yeah. Um, how about uh, that TP belt buckle? Yeah. That's amazing, man. And I, I have to say, again, in a moment of kind of um, from a craft perspective, I thought the like the the stripping down montage at the hot tub was kind of a well shot, well edited sequence. Yeah, but it, it, it's weird because it almost feels like they spent more time on that sequence than they did any other sequence in the movie. It's it's because it looks really good. Yeah, it's also, and I've said this before, uh, it's one of the longest hot tub scenes I think I've ever seen in any movie. It starts at twenty three forty one. It goes to about the twenty seven minute mark. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's almost four minutes of movie time. A lot can happen in four minutes of movie time. And well, uh, yeah. a lot doesn't yeah, no, really happen true. here except some pirouettes. It almost turns into choreographed uh, swimming. Well, it does because they're kind of going in circles, and <laughs> it's interesting. But I, again, I want to take the opportunity now. The theme this week is underappreciated DOPs because 
the DOP for this film because when I'd seen that, I thought, man, that, that's, that's a well-shot sequence. Who, who shot this? Uh, and it's, uh, you know, uh, New York guy, James Lemo, shot Maniac Cop, Ms. 45, Maniac Cop 2. Oh, nice. Uh, shot Fear City, Vigilante, hmm. you know, good DOP. Nice. Solid DOP. So I didn't know he. I didn't know he shot. Uh, uh, what should we call it? Not Miss Forty Five, but uh, the, Mani- the Maniac Cop films. Maniac Cop, yeah. So yeah, another nice Italian DOP man. Um, what else do we got here? He directed some films too. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I think there's a pretty strong score for the film. It feels like I, I think. I have a lot of problems with 80s slasher scores, but I think this one is pretty strong, again, consider, especially considering the budget. It's like almost like a synthy kind of Joe Delia, uh, speaking yeah. of Miss 45. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, it works quite well for me. It's not That's just the, lazy, the shitty. music uh, by Horlick. Oh, Horlick, man, coming yeah. correct. Yeah, he's the the guy you mentioned earlier. Was <laughs> Yeah. He's the actual composer, you know, Stephen Horlick. Yeah, he's, he's solid, man. I really like his score for this. Uh, yeah, Gary Sales. I think Gary Sales, the producer, I think wrote the uh, him and uh, Gary Sales. I think wrote the music. I uh, wrote uh, well. They the Madman Mars theme. I think it was written by them anyway. Right. Um, I don't know about that other song. There's a like a during the hot tub scene. There's a soul song of some sort. That might be them too. Tony, that's Tony Fish singing, man. Is that yeah. Tony Fish? Oh, nice. Yeah. I the fish man that. cometh. Yeah, man, I could see that fish man. <laughs> the fish man <laughs> reminds me a little bit of like uh, <laughs> Tony Mackerel. Bring Tony Macro, man, macking on the macro. Okay, he, so I, that, that's called I Don't Need Words. He doesn't need words. Sung by Tony Fish, up. yeah, written, produced, and arranged by Gary Sales. And what's awesome, too, is that Tony Fish feels a little bit like, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, certainly, but like a, like a kind of like a working class man's version of like a David Hess. Sings a little bit, acts a little bit. Yeah. You know. Sells fish uh, a little bit. Sells fish a little bit. The, the uh, funny thing is, yeah, I mean, uh, Gary Sales wrote these songs. Song of the Fifth Wind. That's a song Tony Fish sings in this. I don't. I don't even know what the Fifth Wind is. But man, you got to watch what you're eating if you got a Fifth Wind. You know. Yeah, if you get to the Fifth Wind, man. I don't. You don't want to hear that song. Uh, of course, I don't need words. And then the song of Man Man Mars. You need Fifth Wind. Yeah, but there's also a song in this or a piece of music in this called Destructo Funk, which I, oh, I, I didn't hear. Doesn't, but I mean, Kind of song, song of the Fifth Wind could be like a like a Dio song, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, maybe. Good, <laughs> it could. Yeah, look out! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, watch out for the Fifth Wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song of the Fifth Wind. You got you got Ronnie James kind of on bended knee with his fist kind of clenched. Yeah, in the front yeah. of the frame. Tony Fish with his asshole kind of clenched, to trying to <laughs> yeah, trying to keep the fifth wind in, man. <laughs> well, you want to? You definitely. You know what? You if you get the jets going on the in the hot tub, you can let the fifth wind go. That's true. Because the That's bubbles true. are yeah, just yeah. white noise yeah. at that point. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Just gotta make sure. You, noise. Well, you gotta yeah, you gotta make sure you're far away though, because those bubbles come up and they can uh, release some odor, man. So you know. Yeah, that's that's a GGTMC pro tip there. The the dreaded shower fart. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Oh, I had Tony Macro for lunch. (laughs) Oh man! How about how Uh, how about that scene with them at the fireplace? Let me just—I wrote down a quoted uh, some dialogue here. This is this is classic American poetry, right? Are you ready, Bill? (laughs) One of the characters, Bill, says, "I love to feel the flames devour the wood." Who yeah. says there's no beauty in destruction? Oh yes, yes, yes! I love to feel it's the like, flames it's like, of our it's, it's amazing. You know, whoever I, I bet you, I bet you, it's what's his name, the dude that played the like the head of the camp that wrote that. <laughs> Probably, it's it sounds yeah. like something he would have written. Um, I like that this takes place in one night. That always adds to kind of an urgency and a frenzy to the proceedings. Yeah, uh, I don't feel like they're panicked enough though that people are disappearing. They're a little chill. They're a little chill. <laughs> too many, too many of those beers in the fridge, uh, you know, and the sheepskin yeah. vest and stuff. I think, uh, you know, of course, the uh, devouring the, of the sheepskin on their cheek <laughs> mellows them out too much, man. Yeah. And and also, we should say, outside of it, it being something that looks good on film, if you were with your buddy and both of you had uh, ladies, would you really lay like that on the floor? That's a great shot. It's a great shot, but it's not very uh, functional. Like it's not. It's there's not no practical. function. Yeah, it's not. It's not practical at all. You know. 
I no, guess maybe if you if you had a bad case of the fifth winds, maybe. Well, I'd be standing <laughs> up and moving around, man. Yeah, I gotta step outside for a second. <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be getting out into the night and you know letting that off into the November uh, Long Island uh, air, man. Um, you know, one thing we don't get to see too often is girls working on cars in this film, and uh, we get one in this doesn't really work out too well for her, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, those are the breaks. Um, I think the film, despite kind of being muted at times, like it, it's colorful enough. And again, that has testament to the the job that Vincent did with the disc. Um, you know who my, Madman Mars looks like to me is the dude. You know the lizard man with like the European mullet from Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's who he looks like to me. <laughs> Um, uh, I didn't get that, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm getting it now. But I didn't get it uh, originally. No. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love Masters. I I I've, I bet from Masters of the Universe for sure. It's amazing. It is amazing. amazing. Yeah. It all comes back to Meg Foster, doesn't it? Yeah, it all does. Uh, there's an inside joke there that you guys uh, very inside. <laughs> yeah, very inside joke there. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think they give Mars enough of a signature kind of move or look. Uh, well, no, I, I like the look. I think the look is signature. It looks okay, but I don't think they give him uh, like because he doesn't have a signature oh, move though. You're right. Other than brute strength and uh, mumbling, yeah, mumbling, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, yeah, Mars must have smelled the fifth wind and set him off. Yeah, <laughs> it blew his nose off. Right, you know, his nose yeah. is kind of like a big chunk of it missing. That's right. Uh, which they talk about in the story. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's. I mean, obviously, he's not a. What's the word I'm looking for? He's not a pop culture like sellable type of slasher type thing. Like you can do Jason and Michael Myers and and Freddy and stuff. I mean, the the slashers we became used to, you know, they all became, you know. Well, I mean, you see Jason. I mean, you'd be watching a damn kids movie and Jason will pop up in it. (laughs) You will look at My Bloody Valentine or The Prowler Mm -hmm. or The Burning. They're all one offs, yet they all feature iconic killers. Yeah. Right. The yeah. look is iconic. So, or even stage fright, which has the most iconic stage slash fright. killer. With the yeah, slash most cumbersome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the most yes. ridiculous idea to be stalking people in a repertory theater. And you have no peripheral vision. <laughs> None. None. You don't even, you have like pinhole vision. Yeah. Um, um, you know what my favorite, uh, and I'll mention this later on and I'll, I'll move through here quickly because we're running a longer time. I love the, the kind of one extended stalking sequence of the thinnest-lipped girl in the history of cinema. Oh, that yeah. girl's nerves are so frayed. Is that the one that works on the car? No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that works on the car. One of the fridge, right? Yeah. The yeah. one where she gets the axe in the chest. Yeah. yeah. I like that axe in the chest moment. Yeah. I mean, it feels brutal. It does. Um, I don't think Galen Ross has given enough to do. Again, kind of missed opportunity. Um, she gets she a, does. She plays a very, very much a stick in the mud too. Like it's not really. She is a stick in the mud, man. Yeah, she's not really having as well. I mean, outside the hot tub scene, she's not really having as much fun as she should. Oh, it's true. She's a little uh, worried about the kids, but hey, you know, I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but you know. Yeah, fucking. How dare she? <laughs> <laughs> um, she gets to carry like the the shotgun that she's carrying has the longest barrel. It doesn't even all fit in the frame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that thing's long, man. Um, why? Why did she stop the bus? That's the worst move you could have made. <laughs> I don't the know. worst move you could have made. And how about this, man? You know who Marius reminds me of a bit is Immortan Joe. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I could, I could see that. I haven't seen the film, but I've seen a lot of stills of uh, of uh, Immortan Joe, and uh, yeah, I could see that. So there you go. There's my notes. All right, George, you got anything you like to add? Uh, yeah, I have a, a bit. I mean, we'll cover a lot of it, but um, the first time when I watched this in the theater, um, I didn't like it that much. Um, mm, yeah, I liked, it, I liked it a lot more now. The, the second time in, um, I, I did a lot better. Maybe it was, I mean, the print was a little better. Maybe this was, on, like I said, maybe, um, uncut or at least less cut. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely the most awkward sex scene in the history of cinema. <laughs> it's, it's up there. It's up there, certainly. That and uh, Night Beast, and uh, there's a couple others I can think of. But yeah, this is up there. Oof. It has depth. Did we lose George? <laughs> Hello? George? 
We lost him. I think we lost him. George, did you hit that mute button? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Mars got him. I did hear it. Yeah, yeah I don't, know where, don't know where he went. I'll have to look and see. Do you want to cover your notes while we get George back <laughs> from he Mars? He's calling back in. There we go. There he is. <laughs> Hello. There you we are. Thought Mars got you, man. <laughs> we thought Mars got you. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Fish got me, man. Uh, hit that mute button for that fifth win. <laughs> yeah, we know. That's what George was doing. Thought he hit mute, but he disconnected, man. <laughs> yeah, the last thing we heard was uh, that, and we didn't hear anything, and you just hear gun. You thought you, you thought you muted for that. <laughs> it was that Barbara Walters soft focus lensing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Babwa. <laughs> yeah, Bob Wawa. Wah, wah. Uh, uh, you mentioned Galen Ross being a documentary filmmaker um, these days. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we hear you. Yes, sir. I, it still says connecting. It's a rare moment where we weren't trying to interrupt, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got thrown off. <laughs> the delivery dialogue in this one, man, kills me sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. the scene when the Tony is TP. I'm sorry, TP. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's like earlier in the evening, you all witnessed a horrible scene with. Who <laughs> speaks like that? Yeah, I know. I know. Hey, TP does, man. <laughs> he lets his belt buckle do the talking. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was that was uh, that was his uh, moment. He had to apologize, and it worked out for him, man. He got the it tub. Did, it didn't work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. Uh, that behavior was rather unbecoming of a, a man of his charm. Get to bring the fifth win with Galen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as far as I think I forget how early in the slasher cycle this is. Yeah. Eighty two is pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah, it's very early. And I don't. And, um, and I don't know when they were shooting it. It might have been. I know that on the documentary. For on the disc, they talk about the Gary Sales talks about that one of the girls on the film. Her boyfriend was working on another film, and she said that some of the dialogue and some of the story was uh, pound for pound, just like some of the scenes she was rehearsing with him. And he realized then that uh, you know more people were working on this kind of cropsy myth type stuff. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, this is early in the cycle, but I don't know when they were shooting it. I, I know they had seen Friday the Thirteenth, and I know they had seen uh, Halloween, and they they knew these movies were making money. So there, obviously, there's a financial reason to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, watching as many slasher movies as I think we all have, I like when when characters make good decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, one of the characters gets hung by the madman and grabs the top of the rope to alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good move for a little while. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, um, another another character dodges some axe swings, and could you think for a little while you might get away, but no, not not, not so much. Yeah, yeah, but still, he doesn't go out right away, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. Mars isn't a, for lack of a better word, he isn't like an overpowering slasher. Like he does have a little bit of that Pepe Lapunus, where you know you can run as fast as you want to run, but he always catches up with you somehow. But the uh, he doesn't really have the. Uh, you no, know, I mean he's a little he's a little cumbersome. Like everybody's kind of dodging and kind of outsmarting him every now and then. He has to. It's almost like he the first attempt he he he's got a great idea. But he realizes his idea wasn't so great, and he's like, "Fuck it, I got to go in here and fix this." Like the hanging thing is definitely one of those moments. Like it seems like he really thought that out, <laughs> and and then uh, the uh, the character kind of outthinks him a little bit, and he's like, "Ah, fuck!" And just comes in and uses brute strength. <laughs> the uh, the camp counselor character also goes off and plays um, a convenient card game to <laughs> kick him out of the movie. That convenient card game. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go into town and I'm going to play some cards. I wish we had got more delivery from him, man. Yeah. Oh, that 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 guy. <laughs> He's too much for me, man. I really could. Yeah. And I think maybe that was one of the the catalysts for me not digging this really hard when I first saw it. Yeah. Oh man. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's very theatrical, right? Like, he's really going for the dialogue, and he's really going for the the story, and even the, the simple scenes, he's really kind of over-delivering, whereas these other kind of non-actors or amateur actors are, 
you know, struggling through, you know, one or two lines of dialogue. It almost seems like a put on, man, because he's so over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, there's a, I felt a, a bit of camaraderie with the cast. Um, like they're, they're, they're pretty likable, you know, mm-hmm. if a bit nondescript. Yeah. You know, watching it this time, I've seen it like four or five times now. Watching it this time, I thought to myself, I would have liked to spend more time with the counselors, uh, the characters. I don't feel, I mean, like you said, nondescript, and I feel like they're there for narrative, you know, to move the narrative forward and stuff. But I'd like to know a little bit more about Bill and his uh, love of uh, flames devouring wood. and Yeah. yeah. And his, why, like, why does he say that? <laughs> yeah. What's up with Bill? You know, why does he, why does he say that? And the, like the, the, the girl that uh, Will was talking about, the one that works on the car, you don't really know much about her either. Uh, her and Bill are an item, by the way. Yeah, uh, and there's other awkward sex scene in the woods in that in, in that tent. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we didn't get any sex scenes with the uh, the main caretaker. That would have been he'd been like, ooh, <laughs> would have been amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been spotting off some <laughs> some winners, man. Yeah, I'm going to caress you now. Oh man, <laughs> save me once later. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um. This, like, uh, you mentioned earlier this, some of the lighting. Oh, actually, before I, um, I wanted to mention uh, Joe Giannone. Um, he was only known for this film, but he did do, I think, second unit on Clonus. The, oh, yeah. Uh, or the Clonus horror. Yeah, I see that now. I was looking at that. But this, this which I think was, was, I think, ripped off for that movie, The Island, with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I think, I think to the point where oh, the wow. makers of Clonus sued the makers of the island and they won. Wow. Holy cow. I, I believe. I mean, uh, hopefully I'm not speaking out of term. I think that that was, uh, that was, that was true. Um, yeah, the, the, there's, some, there's some tension. There's some atmosphere. There's, there's some good lighting. It looks, the version I saw looks, looks pretty good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Director Robert Fiveson, who directed the Clonus Horror, brought a copyright infringement suit against the makers of the island, citing almost 100 points of similarity between the two films. The court ruled that Fiveson made a prima facie case of for infringement. Oh, DreamWorks, yeah. Before it could go to trial, DreamWorks settled it for an undisclosed dismount. So, yeah, they basically won. Too bad Sergio Martino didn't, didn't contact Children of Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny how some things, some people will pursue that and win, and some people, you, you see so many films and songs and everything that are ripoffs of other things, and sometimes people win and some people never pursue it. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. So, I don't know any Italian director could straight faced accuse anyone of copyright infringement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that might be a lie. All I have. Yeah, this this film, uh, yeah, like we, we were talking about, there is an innocence to it. It's very simple. It's uh, the pacing is can be a bit plodding. Like if you're not, if if you like slashers, I think you'll like it uh, and appreciate it. But I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's as you know full of energy as some of the slashers you you might love. Uh, for those who have seen uh, several, it doesn't really have the pacing of a Friday the Thirteenth or something because there are some moments where there's a lot of padding. Uh, because the slowness of the narrative. I mean, it's a very simple narrative, and there's a lot of padding, people walking around the woods. That scene where the guy goes out looking for TP in the woods, uh, not toilet paper either, just TP. Say, man, you don't need it. You got leaves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that fifth wipe. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Sometimes you need the fifth wipe, man. <laughs> well, if you're using leaves, I would recommend the fifth wipe. <laughs> yes. Uh, Especially if the leaves are painted, evidently. As they were in, the, in the winter, the leaves are going to be brittle. You don't want that finger to push through the leaf, man. Yeah. You'll be practicing your, inadvertently practicing your bowling grip. Yeah. The, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 he's out in the woods for a while looking around before we get any action. I mean, there's some great moments in there, but he's walking around for a while. And uh, I, you know, one of, the, one of the things I did like this time watching it, I really kind of admired the set design this time around. Like, it's kind of... I like the how kind of cheesy and kind of kind of weird the camp looks. It looks like almost like a camp that would exist. Like it's got like picnic, uh, like picnic blanket, fucking uh, drapes, and and uh, it just looks like it. You know, kind of smells musty and like maybe a little oh, heavy, yeah. like a mold smell. <laughs> the cabin I thought looked really cool, kind of unique looking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I guess this place still exists. I don't know. Fish Cove Inn, I guess that's where it was uh, filmed. I don't know if it's Southampton, like you said, Strong Island. So I don't know. I'd be curious to see what it looks like now. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where we always talk about liking the, uh, the, uh, it kind of revisits to old uh, locations, see what they look like now. Because mm-hmm. I remember on the uh, one of the Friday the 13th disc, they go back to the camp, and it's pretty cool to see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very simple slasher, to say the least. And I, I think the first time I saw this was uh, about three years before we started the podcast, so about 10 years ago. And I saw it because a bunch of people that I respected on the Internet um, were talking about it. And uh, it had shown at... Uh, Alamo Draft House that had shown in a few other places, and I thought, well, man, I got to see this, and but it's not available. And this is before the, this is kind of before the era of everything's available in a lot of ways, sort of before, but not really completely before. Um, but it eventually came out on DVD, and I was like, oh man, holy grail, I get to watch it. And uh, like George, I was a little let down because you know I, I expected uh, a lot more, you know, all this talk and stuff. Yeah, same here. But I think watching it on repeat, uh, now I've seen it, like I said, fourth or fifth time. Like we talked about, that charm, that innocence, that kind of simplicity of the story. I do think this thing's about 10 or 15 minutes too long because of the padding it uses. and I mean, it could almost be like a 75-minute movie or a 70-minute movie, and it would still get its point across. Um, I did like the final shot quite a bit. I love the kind of driving up on the character. Uh, and, of course, the kind of flashback. Uh, and the way that's when you get the Madman Mars song and Richie. I, I, <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, George? I I, I dig the like the title image, like that sort of like drawn like background where yeah. the credits like roll roll through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost like a that, like that was a, that was that was inventive. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a rotoscope type look and stuff. And that, yeah, it, it was it, cool looking. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was old school. Yeah. It's really a shame that uh, Giannone, though, and uh, didn't really work on anything else. I mean, he, he, I think he worked on a few things, but I, I don't think he did anything else after this. And he passed away. From what we understand in the documentary, they talk about uh, that he was really an intense guy, and uh, like you know, when he was working, he was really into it. You know, this producer Gary Sales. You know, we, we've covered uh, we covered from Justin to Kelly. He produced that. That was oh. our, he was the first assistant director on that film. I should say. <laughs> Oh, amazing! I had no idea. What else did he produce? He didn't produce that, but he did first. <laughs> he did the first unit direction on from Justin to Kelly. So <laughs> amazing! Wow, you never really know where your career is going to take you. Huh? Uh, oosh! He did an assistant direction on Fair Game too, the uh, Cindy Crawford Baldwin joint. I love Fair Game. It's so trashy and ridiculous. I saw that on a date, man. Nice. I saw that in Girl 6 with the same girl. We saw some clunkers together, man. Hey, he did the uh, first unit direction on Mr. Nanny, which I believe is, is that, is that the Hulk Hogan one? Hulk Hogan joined, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he he's, you know, he's worked with the, yeah, that is the Hulk Hogan joint, <laughs> Sherman <laughs> Helmsley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Vampire's Kiss as well. He did direction, uh, first unit direction on. So, so yeah, so he, he, you know, he got some work after, you know, after Mad Men Mars. He's still producing stuff. He did a film a couple years ago called The Girl on the Train, which I uh, don't know anything about. Stephen Lang's in it. I don't know anything about it. But he Stephen did it. Lang's in I'm in. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's good. To, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad everybody kind of enjoyed it. I mean, again, it's, you know, Will's first time seeing it. He's kind of reacting the way I think you would. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, you know what? This is a good slasher for uh, like if you wanted to introduce slashers to your child, and this is a weird thing to say, but if you want to introduce <laughs> slashers to your child, like a, a slightly younger age, and you think they might be ready for, <laughs> this might be an, an easy kind of a doorway drug to the slasher world. I mean, my my doorway drug to the slasher world was probably Friday the Thirteenth or something. Yeah, which, me, me too. Yeah, which wasn't. I don't know what my first was. Yeah, probably one of the Friday the Thirteenth films. Yeah. yeah, I mean, probably the first Friday the Thirteenth is pretty tame in comparison to some of the others and obviously it's much you know it's not as sexual well i mean there's some sexual scenes but it's not as sexual as like the prowler or something you know you get you know something kind of nasty and sleazy like that i don't know if you want to watch that with a <laughs> i don't want to watch what the prowler with my son anytime soon yeah. no <laughs> explaining that shower scene oh um, man with the pitchfork but um 
yeah i mean i, I you know for that kind of story i think it it works kind of like you know introducing kids to zombie films night of the living dead is not a bad way to go and yeah you know it's kind of the kind of innocence to it and stuff but yeah let's get into maker bricks and stuff well what do you got Make or break. I like the stalking that results and is punctuated with an axe to the chest. Poor girl doesn't even like she's a survivor because she somehow gets past that and then gets blown away with a shotgun <laughs> when she's trying to get help. Man, talk about bad luck. Yeah, that's a bad deal. Um, yeah, my MBT is the cinematography. I think it looks good to, for the budget. And my score is a 6.5 out of 10. Perfectly acceptable as far as uh, slasher fare. I've seen worse. I've definitely seen better, but uh, yeah. you know, considering the budget and how early on into the the um, the phenomenon on this the slasher, I think you, you could stray a lot further from the fifth wind than this one does. <laughs> and how amateur the you know everybody working behind the scenes is. I mean, we're talking you know very amateur filmmaking crew here, and they they kind of pull it off. Uh, yeah, George, what do you got? Yeah, my uh, my uh, MVT is actually um, the score. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I'm a sucker for a simple Yeah, it's a good score. score. Yeah. Um, and like Will said, a lot of the slash is kind of forgettable synth scores, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of like the, the John Carpenter minimalist synth score. And uh, this one has that really analog retro vibe to it. Um, and it, it, it manages, manages to be creepy at times when it has to be creepy. And uh, I, I'd love to own it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It was good. Yeah, especially if it came with, with the songs, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my make or break uh, was a uh, that sex scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you should have seen the reaction of the audience when when that scene came up in in the the screening. You couldn't <laughs> hear yourself think. It was a roar. Yeah. From start to finish. Yeah. It only increased in, in volume. I know. I know if I'm ever in a hot tub with anybody uh, that loves movies as much as me, I'm going to make sure I do those little pirouettes around the oh. hot tub and make them incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> as I stalk them slowly. Have oh. someone running around you with a camera. Yeah. Like what, right. the, what the fuck is going on here? Getting those angles, man. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, my hey, score hey, it's is all about the angle of your dangle. Sorry. I love the sincere apology. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, my rating was the same as well, so 6.5. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, you guys are pretty much on the same page, the page I'm on. I mean, I, I do have an appreciation of this film, but uh, I do feel the same way you guys do in a lot of ways. My make or break. Um, I really do like the campfire scene. I like the setup. Um, I also like the uh, scene involving the hanging. I won't say with who or a spoiler or whatever because I think it's a bit of a surprise. It is. So um, I was bummed out to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Uh, my MVT. I'm gonna go with the Madman himself. I like the Madman. I like the way he looks. He's got this kind of, uh, you know, uh, we can't say meth hillbilly look because he's too heavy. Uh, so. <laughs> But he's got this nice, like, hillbilly, kind of almost like a metal hillbilly with, uh, you know, bad toenails. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, that bad pedicure. He antifungal treatment, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does need an antifungal treatment and uh, those big hands. He's got some bad fingernails, too, we should say. He does. Uh, and he got the great sound effects. I love the sound. I was watching this movie. My wife was in the room with me. She was uh, doing some work on her computer. And I'm watching this movie, and I had it up. And she'd be sitting there and working. All of a sudden, you just hear, oh. <laughs> And she's like, what the fuck are you watching? I'm like, it's a madman. And the song would come on. She's like, the stuff you watch. I'm like, hey, you know. Yeah, get the eye roll. I was like, I might get the eye roll, but this this one's not nearly as bad as the spray-painted rape scene from Death Wish. That one, that yes. one's still... Oh, that, one, that one still haunts me because she's like yes. and looking at me like, are you into this? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> only sort of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I imagine all our wives have this reaction to some of the things we watch. Yes. I get the, oh, God, and the eye roll. Well, oh, I get the exact same <laughs> thing. The knowing eye roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, then, then wives have a, just a natural knack for walking in during, like, you know, the most uncomplimentary moments in a genre film, too. I mean, it's amazing what they'll do. You know, yep. I'm like scared to watch Cannibal Holocaust. I haven't watched Cannibal Holocaust since I've been married, but I'm scared to watch it because I'm afraid my wife will walk in. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> is it okay if I tell you a quick story? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Um, my, I'm not really a fan of the beach. Let's just say that. Um, my wife is. So mm-hmm. we, we, we had a deal. We, um, I went to the beach with, with my wife, and my wife watched Cannibal Holocaust um, oh, wow. with me. But flash forward, this is when we were dating. Flash forward to our wedding day, okay? We had um, our music set up for our, my wife to walk up, walk up the aisle and all this stuff. We had a, it burned on a disc. And as, a, and as a joke, I have a Cannibal Holocaust theme on there, just as an in-joke with, with her and I. She's supposed to walk down the aisle with her dad to Summer of the Rainbow because The Wizard of Oz is her, her favorite film. Okay. Track one does not play correctly. It does not. It, they can't get it to work. So my wife and her dad walk up the aisle to the Cannibal Holocaust theme. <laughs> but it goes oh, off man. like gangbusters. I'm at, at the altar. Laugh. I can't even. I'm trying to not laugh. That's but I amazing. see that, that my wife is smiling. And so I know it's all good. And no one in the audience really knows what it is. Just it's a pretty little theme. Yeah. Yeah. Except my friend Joe, who is cracking up in the third row. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. And you can see it in our wedding photos. Amazing. Her, amazing. Me, her, and Joe just laughing. Now, every time I hear that theme music from uh, Cannibal Holocaust, I'm going to think of George. In a tuxedo, man, with a <laughs> yeah. smile on his face. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I can it tell you that amazing. if me and Will would have been there, I can tell you that we would have been like, oh, <laughs> we'd have been laughing our asses off. <laughs> I was like, can you believe That's this is amazing. happening right now? <laughs> But it, but it is it is a pretty little theme though. I mean, I think it is. It's, oh, it's a great theme. Yeah. I, no, no one even knew what, why, where, from where it was taken. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you could literally play that theme on a piano at like any wedding rehearsal, wedding dinner, wedding reception, and people would think, "Oh man, that's really nice. That's really beautiful." <laughs> and people wouldn't know. I mean, they wouldn't know. I mean, I I got friends that I've played that music come up in my car. And they've been like, man, what is this from? Like uh, Peyton's place or something, or you know, something like that? You know, I'm like, no, this is from Cannibal Holocaust, dude. <laughs> Thank goodness uh, you didn't play Sweetly from House on the Edge of the Park, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's, that's, yeah, that's play- another kind of sweet, kind of melancholic uh, theme that uh, if you know the source, it's like, oh, man. Yeah, we'll be talking about that soon, won't we? We sure will. Uh, but yeah, my, my MVT is the Madman, and of course my score is it's just a little higher than your guys, 6.75. Again, I've seen this four or five times now, and it's probably went up each time. I don't really think it'll get much higher than that, though. I think that's about as high as I could ever give it. This is the best I've ever seen it look. looks great on the mm-hmm. Blu-ray, and Vincent did a real good job putting this out. And, yeah, they sure did. Um, it's worth it. I mean, it's worth it. It's a, a really nice price and a really good disc, so check it out, as they say up north. <laughs> Um, uh, that's everything, man. That's all. George, I want to thank you show. so much for coming on the show. Thank you, out man. With it's, yeah. it's been yeah a total blast. I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. I mean, we talked during the interview and stuff, but that was more business than pleasure. This was a little bit more pleasure, and that was uh, this is nice. So absolutely. Again, we extend the invitation, man. Anytime you got some uh, time and you want to come on, sure, we're here. A- anytime, it's a good yeah. time. Uh, Will, as always. Good talking to you. I know you yes, You sound like you're on the uh, back end of uh, the coffee at this point. I sure am in the worst way. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Uh, ooh. No, not in the fifth window. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, anyway. Yeah, the, I can do the Godfather theme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, oh, we're doing uh, Diabolic DVD next week, so you want to tell everybody what you picked? Ooh. Well, we're not, but we're doing Arrow. Oh, we? are we no, doing Diabolic? No, no Diabolic, because we got to go into the sleazy summer after next week. Oh, that's right. Mm. Wicked. We're, we're going to stay in Italy. Um, <laughs> in a manner of speaking, yeah. In a manner of speaking. Uh, and we're going to be doing uh, two films that... Uh, three films, actually, aren't we? Yeah. No, no, you're right. Three films. Another, just, another three-film uh, show. Another three-film show. In fact, I want to say... Are we doing three Lenses next week? Uh, you know what we? I think no. we might be. Is is or that, at least two? Yeah, well, at least two. Uh, well, I don't know. Let me check that one out. Go ahead and tell everybody what you're doing. What we're doing? So, yeah, so we're doing. Uh, I've always meant to see the Jalo Spasmo, and uh, I figured it was high time we got on the Spasmo train. And 
One of, did it. One of the films is actually uh, directed by Fabrizio Laurenti. Oh, probably Witchery, right? Yeah, Witchery. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to be doing a Lenzi double with Spasmo and Ghost House, which I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, then we're going to do Witchery, which I've actually never seen. So, But it's uh, Ghost House Part 4 or La Casa 4, I think. Yeah, La Casa 4. And uh, so. got David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> so it's going to be a fun Italian show next week. I wanted to get, you know, it's hard sometimes. We're at the mercy a little bit of uh, the great people that, that sponsor our show, but I figured, you know, we got to get back to Italy. And, uh, you know, we were there with uh, Casanelli this week. We're going to get back there next week. With, we should uh, say, to keep, it in, to keep it in vibe with uh, these two reviews we've done, uh, Witchery is produced by Joe D'Amato. Amazing. So, For Filmarage. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I've never seen Witchery either. I have seen Spasmo and I have seen uh, Ghost House. Ghost House. Yeah, I've seen Ghost I House. Ghost House. I think you'll like it. Okay. Cool. I'm sure I will, man. I know Ghost House. If it's anything like Ghost House, it's going to be a lot of fun. be cool. To find, is this the first time David Hasselhoff will be on the show? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's looking at some film that IMDb recommended to me called The Machine That Kills Bad People from 1950. Nice. 1952, though. It's not a newer film. It's an older film. I, I've never heard of it. I'm going to have to look at it. literal title. Almost yeah. imagination. <laughs> Not much. Uh, it's actually of. a comedy, it says. So I don't know. Oh. Uh, anyway. All, All right. right. Uh, George, is there anything uh, you want to promote or anything you want to push uh, while you're on the show? or Other uh, than Fifth Wind. Other than, I mean, yeah. <laughs> than Fifth Wind. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I write for uh, examiner.com. Uh, I'm the Cape Cod uh, movie examiner and the Cape Cod rock music examiner. Um, I also work for uh, Rumorg, um, 10,000 Bullets, 10kbullets.com. Nice Rock, one. shock, and pop. Um, I'm I'm a freelancer, so I'm 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 everywhere as much as I can be. So yeah, nice. Well, you know, you know, you get you got our you're in our Facebook group. So anytime you want to push anything, obviously, uh, push anything you'd like on the uh, site. Uh, we'd love to you know we'd love to support you as much as possible. Yes, you know what, man? I've posted a bunch of things there, and I'm I need to thank everyone in that group for for I've never received as positive a response to posting. Um, I mean, like full disclosure, like the examiner stuff, I get paid by the hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, and I've never received such a positive response than I have from people in that group. Um, Sweet. Because as as a writer, you feel kind of bad, like throwing stuff out there all the time because you feel like you're like bothering people. Some at least, at least I do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean? hear you. I hear you, man. Um, but so much good feedback from those people, and uh, I just need to say thanks for everyone who who, who clicks and reads that stuff because. It means a lot. Nice, nice. Yeah, we got a good group of folks over there. So, and there's a lot of them. So, <laughs> uh, okay, that's everything. Uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Diabolic DVD, Witchery, Ghost House, Spasmo. I don't even know what I'm going to call that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. Uh, until then, adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com